When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Cassell, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Syracuse won the second football game of the year, something we hadn't done since 2019 week. Happy... Uh, Hopefully this is the end of us playing Liberty for a long, long time week. Uh, what else we got? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think Wild Hack wants to hear wants to hear from fans anymore about not wanting the game. I mean, it doesn't seem like they've been very receptive over that, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I will say, like, they probably just wanted, knowing SU, they got into the contract and then, like, they're like, oh, well, we're just going to play it out. We'll never do it again. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I get, like, I get that. I, you know, once you get into the contract, it's hard to like kind of go back on it. Right. Um, the problem was getting into the contract. <laughs> like we, it's not like we didn't know enough to do this whole, like, you know, complain about Liberty. We've done that for two years in a row now. But here we are. Um, <laughs> but here we are. No, but it's like, you know, we knew what the school was. Um, we got to be the subject of a, a viral moment the first year, even though we won, which is fun. Second year, not so much fun. Um, Malik Willis is really good. That's not so much fun. Um, but you know, Hopefully, I would love to get a win. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know how much, like, we don't know how much anyone was paid for this. Rumors are that we might have been paid, which it would not case, surprise. Based on based on the trouble that Liberty's had to like gain, I mean, they oh, they're fielding full schedules, like et cetera, et cetera. Like, it hasn't been the biggest struggle, but overall, like. You know, no conference is really super interested in letting them in at this juncture. Like, they're somewhere between being like kind of shunned and kind of like begrudgingly accepted in the FBS world. Um, but because of that, and because they have deep coffers, like, there's a fairly decent chance that even though we have a two for one here, that, you know, either there's no money exchanging hands, in which case, like, we got the extra game for nothing, or uh, we got paid. But, you know, I expect it's probably the former, if I had to guess, which is still like a kind of a crazy deal considering. Well, that's why, I mean, that's why Syracuse did it. Like, like, honestly, like the the only thing that, that, that makes me feel even mildly okay about this, um, them playing out the string of games is the fact that they probably said, if we didn't pay, if we didn't pay a dime for this, why would we then pay Liberty of all places money to get out of the game? Right. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, once you got into it, like, I don't think any of us expected Syracuse to back out of it because, again, like, it wasn't like something happened in between us signing the contract and uh, and then the games happening that changed the, like, the the whole fabric of the thing. Like, the fabric was, was there already. So, 
yeah, I'm just glad, you know, I'm glad we're getting out of it. I would really like to win this game. Just losing two of the three would not be a great look. And uh, unfortunately, like, put everything else aside, Liberty's pretty good, which is also an annoyance, but uh, a fact of, of a fact of life here. Like, they're a favorite at uh, at the Dome, which is crazy to say, but it's also, like, legit. They're uh, quite a good football team. Yeah, they're a pretty good football team. They were very good last year, um, despite the weird season. This season, it's kind of tough to get a read on them so far, um, just mm. because they're facing, you know, the, the the sort of dregs schedule that one might expect. Really, even last year, it's kind of hard to gauge how really good they were. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, they they didn't really run away from us until this like late in the third last year against a depleted, injured. And this is an excuse; you shouldn't lose Liberty, but. Um, I would say that like the, the most impressive game for them last year might've been uh, the one point lost at a very good NC state team. Yeah. I mean, they beat Vatek, but Vatek was a mess. They beat coastal, which like coastal was very, very good last year. And that, that cure bowl, again, I, I don't love celebrating Liberty involved things. That cure bowl was great on a, f- a football standpoint, really fun. Um, so yeah, they were pretty legit. Like they beat two ACC teams, one narrowly us. Like, as you said, um, I like I like on Wikipedia. I'm looking at the Liberty Wikipedia from last year. Um, <laughs> for the attendance uh, on our game, it just says zero in parentheses behind closed doors. I'm like, it's technically <laughs> correct, but it's a weird note. So if you go to zero, no one was there. Wikipedia page does it say zero behind closed doors the entire? I'm looking. Yes, it does for for every uh, game. Our games, uh, the pit game, the at UNC game. Yeah, they all say behind closed doors. Uh, that, like, so, that makes so, it seem like, like they weren't on TV. Like we were like we have the SMU TV ban, which this I takes you know, away, kind of probably would. I was saying this takes away my uh, article of well my uh, upcoming book about the 2020 Syracuse football season called Behind Closed Doors. <laughs> <laughs> the team, the team that just couldn't get a game canceled, no matter what, what they if, did. <laughs> what if I told you that a team didn't get COVID and played every game? What if I we told like you the- no one wanted to watch that team? We were like the South Park Little League team last year. Like, we just couldn't – we couldn't get out of it, out of things. We just had to play as much baseball as we could. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. Now I want to write the book and, and, and actually call it that. It has to be in parentheses, though. Yes, it has to be in parentheses. Fun fact, Syracuse has to read my manuscript um, out, out, of, out, out of its publishing duties to an alum. I didn't um, know that. That's yes, they do, they do have to read my manuscript. Um, <laughs> they don't have to publish it, but, but they do have to read it. So uh, fun fact, if you want to get published by Syracuse, uh, that is that is one route for you to take. I think that they should publish your book about the 1 in 10 2020 Syracuse Orange, or 1 in 9, I forget what the record was, uh, Syracuse Orange. I hope they put it on the little bookshelf they have at Shine for like <laughs> books published by uh, Syracuse alums. You and George Lincoln, Saunders. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Lincoln and the Bardo, and then it's and it's behind closed doors. I hope. I, I also hope that that your prose is just as like bonkers as Lincoln and the Bardo. <laughs> and, and then the sign in between them is just "Would you rather?" <laughs> oh Jesus! This takes me back. This is like a this is like a vintage episode of uh, of like yeah, really, yeah. years. We're, we're off to a, a, an incredible start. Um, yeah. Here. So Liberty, yeah, yeah they three and zero. They're three and zero. They've uh, they beat Campbell as one does. Um, that's not a, that's not a school. It's just a man named Campbell. Um, I love Troy. Campbell because of the Camels, and I wish there were more Campbell teams. 
<laughs> Troy, an, an, another gentleman. A pretty good school. I mean, Troy's pretty pretty good. Like, yes. um, I just checked Bill C, and uh, Troy's ranked uh, 60-something, 65 in, in SP+. Uh, Liberty is ranked 43. So, like, Troy's a pretty good, and Troy's always pretty decent. So that's, like, a, a solid win. They won by a touchdown, so it wasn't like they, like, blew their doors off or else I'd be a little more concerned. But the other two games, Campbell and then ODU, who I believe is ranked in the 120s, like they're one of the five worst uh, uh, FBS teams. I think they're 126 ahead of the incredible group of ULM, UMass, New Mexico State, and uh, still playing football, the UConn Huskies, um, Supposedly. <laughs> who are at negative 37.4. I don't know historically if this is like getting they're their worst in offense and defense and they're 124th out of 130 in special teams like that's that's got to be an all-time bad team so far what was the didn't sean tweet about it the other day it was like looking at the FB, fcs plus fbs ratings and uconn was um i think new mexico state was the only school like a little bit uconn was like somewhere like the 140 to 150 range <laughs> this is historically awful like I remember that SMU team, the uh, I think the year June Jones quit like a week yeah. and a half into the season. Just mailed um, it. I think they were, yeah, I think they were one th- like bottom the last ranked team in offense and defense. But I think they managed to win a game. And if my memory serves, and I just remember this, I think that game was against UConn. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty wild over there. I uh, I wish we faced them this year. Oh god, yeah. I mean, it's we've been fine against them, so it's not like a big concern, but. Yeah, it was the 2014 SMU uh, uh, Mustangs. Um, June Jones resigned on September 8th, which is impressive. Tom Mason took over. They lost their first. Uh, they lost their first 11 games, and then on December 6th at UConn, 27 to 20 victory, baby. But I believe they still finished last in both offense and defense in SMP Plus. It's a, a delightful way to cap the the season. So when UConn beats Clemson, it'll be like largely the same thing. <laughs> Not I mean, them. I'm not gonna say it's impossible. If <laughs> I, it's impossible. But uh, Clemson, we'll we'll talk about them in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's definitely an increasingly entertaining uh, game. Oh. That I'm not I'm I'm not gonna talk about an upset. But I do think there's a fun there's a fun world where it's at least like a good game. If Syracuse gets two wins that between now and then, um, which is Liberty at FSU, which is a, a you know prime right now and uh versus wake who i think is increasingly looks pretty good um you know i think i think you can not put clemson on upset alert but like put clemson on like hey weird stuff has happened in this game before alert um because clemson's offense is a mess but as you said we'll talk about that in the future yeah and and against the syracuse defense that uh that is fun to watch i i think uh, i'm really liking uh what what could occur there yes we're we could certainly use that kind of like uh, early Babers era, um, like really fun, silly upset that gets our people uh, paying attention again. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into more about the Liberty game. Uh, but speaking of fun things that, that that would get some good attention for Syracuse, uh, I, I feel like we were part of it, but a lot of others were too. The uh, the, the the give Sean Tucker forty four drum has been um, banging louder and louder. Um, for I, I feel like it started a bit in the Ohio during the Ohio game, and I feel like people were pretty on board with it. Even like, well, some people were on board with it even after last year, despite um, what would be like middling returns historically. But Sean Tucker did do a lot of uh, you know, despite 
um, a, a, a pretty bad team and a pretty poor line and some pretty bad play calling and, and a very one-dimensional approach. And he still managed to um, put on a pretty impressive performance last year. This year, he's picked up not just where he left off, but he's definitely up the, uh, the level of his game. He Obviously, his performance against Albany speaks for itself, but he also did very well against Ohio. At this point, like he's, he's well on his way to knock on wood, um, eclipsing the 1,000-yard mark. Uh, for the first time in quite a while for Syracuse. Uh, he's definitely on his way to potentially several records. Who knows? Uh, but in any case, I think Tucker deserves 44 um, because it, it finally takes that number out of uh, the rafters, puts it on the field, allows the legend to live on. Um, and I think, and I mentioned this in the article um, the other day, I think it's an appropriate way to um, pay tribute to, to, to Floyd Little, um, you know, who, who we lost um, earlier this year. So I, I, I think to me, it's, it's given that we don't know how the season's going to turn out. If we took 44 out of the Raptors and Tucker continued to play as well as he's playing, I think it ultimately ends up being a net positive um, for Syracuse. So that probably means they won't do it, but um, I, I sincerely <laughs> hope it's at least being entertained. Yeah. I feel like we've just flirted with it so much and it's a program like the program could use, obviously like it's not going to change the, ability of the players in the field it's not going to to like sizably shift like whether or not they win games but i feel like the program can just use some kind of infusion of of excitement and like just some kind of like karmic change with with how down things have been the last couple of years and we've we flirted with the 44 thing so many times um even just since like you and i were in school it's been i feel like every other year there's something and like and not just like rumors but it gets addressed by whoever the coach is. It gets addressed by the AD. Like it, it's like going, going to some committee that no one knows, you know, anything about. The council of about. 44. The council of 44. We had Floyd Little talking about it, like late in his life about how we wanted uh, players to wear it again. And like, I'm totally fine if we don't want to just like throw it at whatever, uh, you know, running back recruit that we are using in that way. I know that's how it was used for a bit. Um, but like I think the I think the Sean Tucker type deal is like a nice middle ground. Like you have the the right player, whether it's a running back, if you want to do it to open up to other positions, like I'm open to the discussion about it. Um I think like at the very least, like a good, great running back who seems like a good represent uh, representative of the university and is like doing the types of things on the football field that Sean Tucker's doing, like that you can still use that in recruiting, even if it's not promised to a single player. If it's like this, this thing that we're not gonna have every year. It's not going to be like someone's 44 every single season or whatever, but it's that special thing that if you like come and earn it, you can do it. Um, like LSU has number 18, which is like their big number and that floats to different players, but like that's something they can earn. I know other programs have kind of similar things and I don't know. I, I've always been a proponent of like, let's get this thing back living. Even if it's not something we have every year, like I'm fine. If it, if there just isn't the right person, we, we don't just give it away, you know, just, randomly or we don't give it away when it's not earned but at least open it up to being earned like i think that that's the best way to honor the legacy of like the fact that, that number was passed from great player to great player for for years um so yeah i, I would love to see it i'm uh, skeptical because it seems like it seems like the powers that be have just been afraid to do it for a while um and uh i don't know we just need someone to to make a bold stand and be like no we're just gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna bring it back the way it was used originally or some some you know version of that, and uh, reward someone, whether it's Sean Tucker or not, for like being a great player and uh, carrying that mantle. Because like I don't know, I, I feel like the program just needs something, like some kind of oomph. 
uh, at this point after the last two years. And, and that could certainly be something that could certainly be it. Like, I, I bet you'll see, obviously you don't do it as like an attendance boost thing, but I bet you'll see like a renewed interest um, from some of the skeptical people. if like you're making the big stride to like bring it out of the rafters and put it on someone's back. Yeah. Honestly, like to, to me, this is the fact that we haven't had a player wear it in 23 years is, is problematic. You know, the, the fact that there's been this, and I know Jim Brown's actually been against it when asked about it in the past, bringing it um, out of mothballs. To me, it just seems like, why? Like, like, like not every single player who's worn it has been Jim Brown or Floyd Little, you know, or Ernie Davis. Like, it doesn't have to be somebody who is a Hall of Fame caliber player every single time. It can be someone who's um, just excellent and, and, like I said, on and off the field. Tucker wants seems to entertain at least the number um, and, and wearing it, which I think is, is a big part of it is like the fact that he understands the legacy and wants to be part of that. Like that should speak for itself, especially given what the school's kind of done to, 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 you know, mythologize the, uh, the, the number at this point. And I think, you know, now like the last person to wear it was Rob Conrad. Like he last took a snap when like none of these kids on the team were born. Like that, like that's yeah. not, that's not something that's sustainable as a tradition and, and acting like just putting a 44 in the rafters, like means something to people long-term, like half these kids probably don't really have a full concept of who Jim Brown was. And if they don't have a concept of who Jim Brown was, they probably don't have a ton of understanding, um, you know, of Floyd little aside from, you know, when he was alive, when he was around the program, they probably don't have much understanding of, of even Ernie Davis, unless they've seen um, the express, like they, they, there's just this, this real vacuum um, between, you know, what, what would I think we're applying to 44 and, and, and the reality and, and realistically putting it back in the field, even like you said, if it's not every year, just putting it back in the rotation as an option for, for a player to be able to earn, it m- makes it real and tangible again and, and, and embraces again, the fact that Tucker w- likes the idea like, you know what, if somebody asked him and he skirted away from it, I'd say, fine, he doesn't want it. That's fine. I'm not going to force it on anyone, but he, he seems to entertain it. And like, we really haven't heard anything about 44 um, since I know like Babers and Wild Hack uh, were doing that uh, tour around the country to some big alumni clubs. I know they were out here in LA and I saw them speak um, downtown, like they entertained the idea and, and it definitely was passed along as just a yeah, like on and off the field success. And we'll talk to the council of 44. And that's like really the last we heard of it. And that was, you know, back in 2019 um, summer, I believe. So it's it been a couple of years since we've heard about it. I, I think it's worth addressing that, 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 you know, Tucker could be in line to receive it. And, and even if that waits until next year, and I hope it wouldn't, I, I think that it absolutely needs to be a, an, an open discussion uh, be because like, it's not that you lose Tucker if you don't give him 44, but at the same time, like, why miss out on that opportunity to have somebody wear the number again and, and do so successfully? Yeah, I, I just think it's such a missed opportunity. Like the the number became something different the moment that Ernie Davis took it and and had the career he had. Like if they had just retired it after Jim Brown, then you're like, that's Jim Brown's number. It's one person's, you know, he was obviously arguably the greatest football player ever. Um, you know, you hang it up. But the fact that Ernie Davis took it and built on the legacy and Floyd Little took it and built on the legacy, like it's so far beyond that. And with how the school uses it, it's the zip code, it's the phone number. It's like the, the, the school itself has promoted 44 so far beyond what just one retired number is. And to treat it like a retired number for, even though it was a couple people is like so downplaying 
um, what it means. So yeah, to bring it out to to make it a something that can be attainable for a, for a great Syracuse player, um, and like you said, it doesn't have to be like an NFL superstar. Um, I mean, part of the thing that's special about college sports is that you know legends on campus legends can don't have to go on to be you know don't have to go on to be a Jim Brown or a Floyd Little in the NFL. Like you can have like Rob Conrad obviously made a huge impact here. He was not you know he played in the NFL. He was not a Hall of Fame level player in the NFL, but like, I don't think most people would say he was a failed 44 or whatever. So, um, I mean, if Sean Tucker leaves here with like some kind of real legacy an all ACC type player, someone who helped guide the program back to like finally out of some kind of doldrums or, or death of Babers era back settled on, you know, firm footing. Like, I think that he'll be more than, than worth, uh, the number and will have definitely helped, uh, continue on that legacy, especially cause it's not like a perfect, it's not like we have like a perfect track record. Like we've had guys who weren't very good wear it. So it's, I, I'm not even worried about like staining it or whatever, as long as, you know, Tucker A doesn't do anything to get in trouble, which there's no indication he will. He seems like a, a, a great guy and uh, B like continues to play well and, and, and live up in that, that, you know, that regard. And so far, like we're getting a pretty decent sample size that he's a really, really good player. So I, I'm really not worried about it. I would, I would love to see it, whether it's him, whether it's someone after him, but the fact that he thinks enough about it to be like, you know, a lot of these guys are, are so into, um, and this isn't a knock at all. I know it's going to sound like it for a second, but like they're into their personal brands. And part of that is the number they wear. And that's totally legitimate. Um, I think that's totally fine. And if someone was turned down 44 on that level, I would totally respect it. But the fact that he seems to understand the history enough to like embrace it and welcome that possibility, even if it was just one Instagram post, um, I think that's pretty special. It shows that like the, the embers are still there as long as, if, as long as we want to hopefully spark them and actually take them somewhere. So I'm hoping these discussions are happening um, on campus in, in the, the wild hack and Babers uh, parts of the world, but it's hard to know, although it's clearly like starting to, to, to percolate back up in the fan base. And so, you know, it'll probably reach those places anyway, at, at the very least. Yeah. I mean, we'll see like maybe if, if that's, you can win this weekend, maybe it's, it's a conversation point. Um, going into next week, but Dan, uh, if, go for it. I was gonna say, if they win and Sean Tucker runs for like 150 yards, like someone's gonna ask Babers. Oh, of course, and they should. Yeah, realistically, it's definitely it's definitely rising up, and and, and I, hope, I hope again, I hope we do hear about it. Um, but Dan, you've been away for you know a couple weeks. Uh, what have you been drinking of late? Before we get into uh, some more Liberty talk in the second half of the pod. Uh, so yeah, I got to sample a, a fair a fair amount of stuff in the greater jackson hole uh slash eastern idaho area where i was two weeks ago um uh for a bachelor party um definitely the highlight was melvin brewing which i believe is right in jackson i uh, didn't get there but i you know their stuff was was pretty uh well distributed around had their uh, jesus mexican lager which was really delicious um had their uh back into haze uh which was a hazy uh, hazy ipa um very good basically everything i had from them was like really rock solid so if you're out in that part of the world, definitely check out, uh, if you find any Melvin, that was probably the best bet um, from local stuff. Uh, I also tried uh, Saison from Citizen 33 uh, in Idaho, which was pretty decent. Um, had some Amber Ale from uh, Grand Teton Brewing. Uh, a couple others from Grand Teton that I forgot to check into, but they had a variety pack that I tried. So nothing, I, don't know, I think Melvin was definitely the highlight. Some other stuff was like really solid. Uh, I wouldn't say anything blew me away. Um, and then uh, just some other standard stuff. Been drinking some uh, Lagunitas, uh, some Allagash, some uh, main uh, peeper ale recently. Um, yeah, those were the, definitely the things that uh, stood out from the Western trip I took. 
Very nice. Yeah, Melvin stuff actually gets down here occasionally too. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've had some good stuff down here. I had some good stuff when I was up in Montana that uh, they got over that way. So definitely recommend a brewery. A um, couple things on my end. It's uh, pumpkin season. So definitely uh, I was having some pumpkin beers this past weekend. Uh, my wife's a big fan of them. Had some pumpkin head ale from Shipyard as well as some uh, smashed pumpkin. Also had pumpkin ale from uh, Dogfish Head. And then uh, to continue the fall theme, I had some Evil Dead Red from Alesmith. Their hoppy red ale. Also had hyperbolic from uh, Beechwood Brewing uh, down Long Beach, and then from Green Cheek uh, Beer Co. in Orange County had uh, Birds Are Real. It was a uh, West Coast IPA. So not not, a, not an extensive extensive list, but good enough. Definitely uh, definitely enjoyable. I have not broken out the pumpkins yet, but I think we're getting there. I usually like to actually wait until it's fall, and I guess it is technically fall today, so. Um, we're definitely we're definitely approaching that time. Well, I'll also will. be upstate, so I actually might run into pump some pumpkin. I'll be in the well, that, area for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, at least you get like like really pumpkin ale is probably like one of the better ones we'll get around here. I know you I get, like the shipyard too. I haven't seen it in a while though. It gets. I mean, it's it's pretty much like sitting around like total wine around here. Um, but yeah, I feel like I used to see it in bars more, and now I think I think it's in liquor stores. I just haven't seen it on tap as much, but that's a, a solid one. Yeah, it's definitely good. Definitely no complaints here. There's not really a ton of like local options there. I feel like it's definitely more of like a northeast type deal, which I guess makes sense. Like I guess we're we have more gourds out here. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I, yeah, I feel like for us, it's definitely not like a, a priority uh, for breweries. I think also because it's not really fall weather. Yeah, that's fair. It definitely like you know say what you will. It, it does. It is an appropriate flavor, I think, for the season. Um, yes, I will make my bold prediction that I will have my first pumpkin of the of the year because i will be in i will be in the southern tier from sunday until wednesday which also means we have to have to figure out recording but we'll figure that out <laughs> well, uh all right so pivoting from beer back to football uh dan what is i guess your biggest concern uh going into this game i'm assuming it's malik willis uh it's 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 malik willis <laughs> he's 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 really good um i think like some of the hype's a little crazy around him um, I saw like I think it was Kuiper said he could be like the first pick in the draft, and I, I'll just tone that down. That's aggressive, but but he's very good. Like he's a a really really good dual threat college quarterback. Um, on the year, sits under thirteen yards, but he's seventy percent of his throws, eight point nine per attempt, seven touchdowns and picks. He leads the team in rushing, two hundred twenty five yards and four touchdowns. Like he is the offense. Um, they don't have uh, I don't know they have some some solid still players, but I think he's really yeah, Josh Max this good. entire thing. Josh Mack crushed yes. us this year. Josh Mack destroyed us last year. He's not—he's actually not having a great year. He's only averaging three point two yards per carry. Um, T.J. Green's actually been the more productive running back for them, but but Willis is is by a decent margin, by almost hundred yards, the leading rusher. Um, Demario Douglas is their leading receiver, sixteen catches for one eighty-five and two touchdowns. But they spread it out a fair amount. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's if we can contain Willis and uh, force him into some mistakes, which it looked like we might do early last year. Um, we can we can you know be successful here. I know our our defense is probably the best one he will have gone up against. Um, he has not thrown an interception yet this year. I don't know if that's just because the opposing defenses haven't been great, or if he's just taken another step forward. Either one could be possible. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's going to be the whole game. Is if we make Willis struggle, um, I think we'll have a very very good chance of jumping on Liberty. If not, and it's like last season, uh, obviously you know it's going to get a little scary. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, while Syracuse has a, like, 
at this point, like decade and a half history of, of struggling against mobile quarterbacks uh, with few exceptions. I do feel like, like Pat White and uh, who else was at, uh, oh, and uh, Geno Smith might be the, uh, the exceptions. Shout out to West Virginia um, in, in, in terms of guys that they struggled against um, with some mobility. I do feel that while Willis could still get his yards and, and he'll definitely test this defense, I do feel like what was presented against Liberty last year is not indicative of what we see this year. I think this is a much better linebacker group uh, with a lot more experience this year. I think the defensive backs, while it's a lot of the same players, I think they have a ton more experience. And and, and as much as, you know, you, you miss guys like Iffy and Cisco um, and, and Trill Williams, I think this group, you know, has kind of been, been, been forged in the fires of, of needing to figure it out. And so I, I do like what they can do. And obviously, you know, Deuce Chestnut and Garrett Williams should be able to um, do some things. I, I, I think we'll see whether like the, the one thing I will say about this defense is while it's been, I think the coverage has been good. I think, I think they, they, they've done a great job of bending, but not breaking um, in a lot in every game so far, um, even the loss to Rutgers. I do feel that what we haven't seen is, is that turnover focus. Uh, like, and that was just such a hallmark um, of the defenses since, you know, 2018, uh, pretty much. And this year, it's definitely not as big of a focus. And maybe that's just because we don't have, you know, the same level of um, like big playmaker in that regard. But I I, I would take sound coverage um, over that. And, and obviously, you lose a guy like Cisco, a guy like Trill, two guys who are very takeaway focused. That'll happen. But yeah, I, I think that we are, we're probably we're potentially a better coverage team this year. I think that we're able to rotate in a lot of bodies. And I think we're getting a much better push up front, um, you know, for, from the three down linemen. Uh, than we did last year. So I, I do feel like that's going to help contain things a lot. The issue is going to be, as always, with a mobile quarterback, is what can you, like, if you're not going to contain him, what can you do once he rolls out of the pocket? And and, and that's always, I think last year, that was just obviously nothing uh, that we could do was going to stop Willis. But I, I think I think this team, this defense in particular, is, is much, much better um, this year. And that could lead to, not a low-scoring game, but maybe a game that, that that surprisingly clocks in with the winning team scoring fewer than thirty points. Yeah, I mean, we could if you look at the Troy game. Um, Willis was very effective, but he only threw the ball eighteen times. No one had more than forty-one receiving yards. I, I didn't watch the game, but it seems like they kind of kept things in front of them. Uh, the Troy defense, which is uh, ranked out pretty well, um, and then Willis ran the ball twenty times for ninety-three yards, which isn't great. But if your quarterback is running the ball twenty times and he's averaging 4.7 yards a carry. Like, when your quarterback breaks in pain, you want those big chunk plays, and it seemed like Willis was just kind of grinding it out. And I don't know, if we could kind of limit him, uh, A, take away the deep pass, take away the stuff that's going to break the, the top of the defense open, and just get a lot of licks on Willis and make him kind of the focal point uh, with his legs but keeping him in contain, I think we could have some success. And they, they kept Liberty to 21 points. So um, I think we'd have a decent chance uh, if we kept Liberty in that range. Um, obviously, Troy didn't uh, capitalize uh, with more than more than thirteen, but um, you know it, it shows that not you know Willis hasn't torched everyone. Like obviously, he was very productive in that game, but it wasn't the type of two way like domination that we've seen him uh, at other times. Once you, yeah, I, I don't want to ascribe this to Willis, but I do feel like at the same time, once you start getting that top of the draft board hype, um, there's a chance that you know risk taking might start coming into play in terms of like, do you want to, you know, d- 
do, do that extra thing that, that, that could get you hurt. But also like, once you know that you have a like, you know, $20 million payday headed your way in less than 12 months, are you going to do that? And, and, and that's not like Willis is far from the only player that's probably ever processed that information or in, in, in process those sort of decision-making um, issues. I, I think that realistically, like he's, I think it's a little too early in the season for that, but I am curious if we see maybe a little more caution on his end and, and, and the stats so far haven't necessarily indicated that, but like you've said, this is definitely the best defense he's faced all year uh, so far. And, and, and ultimately like one of the better opponents he'll face. And, and that's not to like toot our horn too loudly, but more just to say that um, he's going to be up against a different style of defense um, than maybe he's used to. And, and, and it might mean that, he could still get to the same totals that he got in the first three games, but it might be a lot harder to come by. And and, and I am curious how that factors into his decision-making. Yeah, I, I will certainly sign for like, Willis is probably going to get his, but as long as we don't let a green or a Mac or someone else like last year, just really explode on us. Like I, I'll take my chances there. Yeah, I completely agree there. Like it, the last year's issues were, were, were in large part due to, um, you know, the fact that, you couldn't stop the run w- with Mac. So then you needed so so, you know, what, what else could you do? Cause once you had two different players running all over you, I mean, it's, it, it's, it becomes very, very hard to game plan. And, and, and I don't think that uh, the Syracuse team is going to be as susceptible um, to that sort of issue. And again, it's not to say that it's, it's not to say that like this team is go- like Liberty is going to struggle against us. But it is to say that um, it's definitely not going to be as easy of a time. Uh, but Dan, because now we only have a few minutes left, uh, shifting to the other side of the ball. Uh, to me, I'm interested to see what a uh, freshman defensive tackle, Kendi Charles, um, is able to do against the Syracuse front. I think the fact that he plays tackle um, is concerning to me, and he's able to get four sacks from the middle of the line is concerning, given the fact that we've had some struggles in the middle. I don't know what sort of offensive line is going to be trotted out there for Syracuse um, because we did see um, – you know, Mike Schmidt and, and, and Coach Babers definitely shuffled some things around to test some things last week. Um, and, and really, I think that was part of the, the the reason why we saw a little more pressure than you probably would have expected from Albany. Um, but, but I am curious if they're able to, to create um, the same sort of pressure that they have against other opponents against us. Um, when it does seem like, for the most part, a lot of the pressure generated by the Flames is going to be uh, from the middle of the line, which is probably not something we're used to. No, I mean, that's always troublesome. Like if, I mean, if you watch NFL, like there's a reason Aaron Donald is probably the best defensive player in football. When you can generate uh, pressure from the middle without a, without a, uh, a uh, really sustained pass rush and, or, uh, you know, bring pressure from the linebackers, it's a real issue, uh, especially because, you know, oftentimes, uh, the best offensive linemen are playing tackle. If you can exploit guards uh, instead of having to have like a dominant defensive end, like it's a real issue. And also like we've seen some of the issues that Tommy's had with getting flushed out, throwing interceptions when he's uh when he's moved out of the pocket. Like he's obviously cut down on that a lot since a couple of years ago when it was a major issue, but it's still a little bit disconcerting if, if he's uh, forced out of the pocket uh, pretty often from the middle. So um yeah, we'll see. I, I think the offensive line's definitely played better this year. Uh, it's definitely been an improvement, but it's it's still not a, a you know it's a work in progress. So hopefully um, we'll see a nice step forward against against a, a pretty talented defensive front. Um, but it definitely poses some specific issues, especially with the fact that our our the middle of our offensive line is, remains pretty unsettled. Agreed, agreed. So uh, Dan, putting you on the spot, what do you think is going to happen in this one? 
Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to lean in the uh, wrong direction. Um, I'm going to take liberty just on the the strength of having the best player on the field. Um, and they're just, you know, overall, they're in a better place to program than us. And, uh, you know, at least it won't be as attention grabbing this year if it happens. But I'm going to take a, a close Liberty win. I'll go, uh, I'll go 31 uh, 23. All right. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, in, until I see something from this offense against a, an FBS program, um, like something real um, against an FBS program, I, I, and really that's, that's less a knock on the players than it is a knock on the play calling. I, I hope we just see a hefty dose of Sean Tucker. I hope we see um, some folds in the passing game where needed, but I hope we don't try to do too much like we did, I think, in the late third and early fourth quarter against Rutgers. I, I, I think in general, this is a game Syracuse can win, um, but I think Vegas has this pretty well pegged. Um, somewhere The line somewhere between six and seven uh, right now. I'll say Liberty 27, Syracuse 21, um, and that's less – that's less a compliment to Liberty's defense as much as it's a, a knock on, on Syracuse's offense. And again, that, throw that out the window. If, if SU gives the ball to um, Sean Tucker, who should be able to pick up yards, not at the same level he did last week against this defense, but will be able to do some damage against this defense for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the bell cow. Let, let's, Obviously, we came into the year saying, how, you know, talked about a running back depth. Um, and it was nice to see some Jarvie and Howard last week, um, getting him involved. Obviously, we've seen a sprinkling of Heptal Adams. It's very clear Sean Tucker's a guy. So while I want to keep him fresh, like, yeah, get him the ball. So let's see what he can do. Agreed. Well, Dan, much appreciated as always. Hopefully, we're both wrong about this game. Yeah, please, you know, if when we win, please uh, trash talk us on Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'll be more than happy. <laughs> Definitely at me if we, if we win. Yes, please at me. <laughs> oh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange. <laughs>